cool. and I will say this, you know, I, I was very fortunate. Uh, my parents were both very uh, progressive-minded, and so mm. uh, while they weren't active in the political sphere, they were definitely, you know, we had a lot of, you know, conversations where we talked through, especially going to a Catholic school, kind of helped me see the other side of of the equation and, and talk about some of these big political issues uh, mm. from a more progressive, more open-minded um, view. And so I am very blessed that they kind of, it wasn't fully self-guided. They right. kind of, they didn't do the political stuff, but they really helped in informing my value system. Oh, sure. And yeah, that's exactly it. Morals and values. I say the same thing yeah, about right. my parents. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I saw that one of your main initiatives when you were running for campaign was um, making sure that you know, small businesses were getting the things that they need. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the things that you've seen that, you know, weren't working before? and some of the things that you're planning on um, helping when it comes to small business as this being, I wouldn't say a small business mm -hmm. because we don't call it small, mm -hmm. <laughs> a wonderful business. Yeah, I like that, that's good framing, it's a wonderful business. Uh, no, and I, I think, you know, for me, it so much it comes from, you know, and I, I uh, any policy area, any issue I'm gonna tackle, having worked directly in the community, I always say, the answers are in the community. Mm. It's not for me to say what you need. It's for me to be have the capacity to really listen and understand what the challenges are and to know how to bring the state resources to bear. Mm. Um, there's no question that the pandemic just crushed everybody. Um, and I think holistically, you know, and broadly looking, you know, I know that businesses were impacted by, you know, housing costs, about, you know, transportation, childcare, just like, you know, the, the workforce challenges. And being able to, you know, we've lost so much of our workforce. And so, you know, there's not a room I go into, a place I tour, a business I speak to that workforce isn't a huge issue that they're trying to, to deal with. And it's all those compounding issues, again, housing, childcare, et cetera, that. So from the broad policy perspective, I, you know, appreciate that that's something that we really need to invest in. Um, one of the things that I kind of, uh, was approached about as I was kind of campaigning and getting uh, into office is around uh, the RTA and keeping it fair free. And so that's something that I championed um, right from the start of, of being in office is, is working with the Fair Free Coalition and their amazing advocacy power and then working with the state and, and my counterparts to make sure that we're keeping it fair free because we know that that's, you know, people use the, there's three main reasons that people use the bus. It's to go to work and make money to go out and spend money, go to the store, go wherever, or to go to healthcare appointments. And so, you know, it, it helps our economy if we're oh, keeping sure. it fair free. We see the ridership going up. And so, um, broadly speaking, those are some of the big policy areas where I think that benefits businesses. But then I know industry by industry, there's really kind of some specific challenges that businesses are facing, whether it's regulatory or, you know, so much so as I did a, a walk in Maine South and we were just looking at even the, the landscape of the sidewalk and the entry into business ways and door, doorways and some of that kind of just that fixing some of that um, infrastructure would really help some of the small businesses be able to attract uh, more people in. And, and, you know, we were talking a little bit about earlier that, you know, certainly with the cannabis industry, a couple of years, few years in now to the, to the new law, we're starting to see, okay, where, some, where there were some unintended consequences, where there's some barriers that businesses are now facing. And so I'm really interested in the role that I'm in now to really help unpack some of that and say, okay, here, how do we course correct? How do we help these businesses now thrive? Because now they're institutions in our community and we wanna make sure that, that all businesses are able to, to thrive. 
So I'm, I'm glad you said that about Maine South because I, I mm-hmm. went to St. Peter Central. Okay. That is literally in the middle of Maine yeah. South. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, what they used to do was when you were in eighth grade, mm-hmm. you would have like a little, like everybody used to walk to St. Peter's mm-hmm. Parish, the church, mm-hmm. from our school all the time. So like you're literally walking in the middle of the street, <laughs> yeah. right? And you're seeing reality right in front of you yeah. and you see how these businesses have been impacted you see these just walking around and seeing some of the barriers so hearing that is, is very important for me um, especially you know growing up here I mean I went to St. John's Shrewsbury yeah. so um, they really advocated on us you know giving back to the community so that it's very good to hear yeah no and uh, St. Peter's has the best basketball program in uh, I, I was on the, the state I coached the there for four, no the St. Peter's no I would the high school? It, all due respect to Holy Name, I no, can't give no, the no, uh, no, high school, no, no, no. the uh, St. Peter's Parish St. Peter's oh, has a uh, youth, well. youth basketball league you. that did, I... Uh, <laughs> did you really? Yeah, I coached there for a few years. I mean, it's. I think there's now over, well, when I coached 10 years ago, there was over 500 kids from all over the city that came. Yeah, It, it, was, so. it was an amazing program. Um, I played for my school, but then I also played for Parish, like on mm-hmm. um, Saturdays and Sundays, I believe. Yeah. So it was a league, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a really well-structured. Um, many kids play there. Um, they're pretty welcoming yeah. from when, I, when I was there. Yeah. It, was, it was very nice. And, you know, I was able to develop into, you know, just – not even just a player, but just as like a teammate and knowing different people and meeting a lot of people from the city because there was so many people, so many, kids, eh? so many different coaches from like mm-hmm. other schools just helping out. Um, it was it was it was a great program. You were yeah. a hooper, Robin. You played ball. <laughs> <laughs> Nowhere near professionally, <laughs> but yes, like, there's a. Did you play, <laughs> yeah, right. high, you play in high school? At JV first few years, so Where? but that's uh, yeah. <laughs> Would you play one or two? Uh, point guard, yeah, yeah, point. yeah. Again, I was, uh, <laughs> but again. <laughs> shout out to the point guard. She was delegating. She was delegating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but field hockey was my sport playing in okay. high school, so that was that was really what I, yeah, that was my sport. But And I was much much better coaching little kids in basketball, but it's a trip. <laughs> oh, no, that, that's amazing. That's amazing. That's yeah, amazing. no, but, it's a, but, you, but to your point, you know, and I think that, um, you know, I'm, I'm really proud to represent most of Maine South, almost all the way down to, uh, pretty much all the way down to Webster Square. And so uh, it's so important that we're looking strategically as a city at investing in the entire community. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't happen by accident, and it doesn't even happen just by talking about it. It really has to be strategic. It has to be looking at our Complete Streets program across the city. And, and the investment matters. You know, you know, we talk about vulnerable communities, we talk about, but for me, it's underinvested in communities, right? It's that, that we've historically not invested and built up particular neighborhoods in our community. And so it's really about shifting that narrative and shifting that, that focus. Um, that's what that's what the equity piece is to me on that. But how, how are um, the districts like drawn out? <laughs> well, I was definitely not a part of that, but yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because so every senator represents about 180,000 people, and we just went through the redistricting process because every 10 years when they do a census and they take a, each state's numbers change, and so they have to redraw the map so that everyone can again have that same number of people. Um, and it, it was interesting this year where um, what was Senator Chandler's district really kind of shifted east a little bit, so lost Holden, lost Princeton lost Clinton, but picked up. It now has West Boylston and Boylston, which she represented, but also now has Bolton, Berlin. And she had really? a piece of Northboro. I now have all of the town of Northboro. And then actually I my 
portion of Worcester grew a little bit. So I have I represent about 60% of the city of Worcester. Wow. And then, um, but now Ann Gobi has moved into a little bit of the a piece of Worcester. So, um, so she represents Webster Square, Tatnick Square area, air, the airport. And then Senator Moore represents uh, Grafton Hill, Vernon Hill, that piece of the city of Worcester, kind of on the other side of Millbury Street over um, Blackstone Valley area. So, um, so it's interesting of how they go by. I mean, it's a really technical process where they uh, yeah. have to go through the lines and really... And, Make sure do the count. Make sure that right. every district maintains the same number of people. So, um, Jordan Berg Powers in Worcester would be a really great mind to uh, bring in to get into depth. Jordan. I don't know if you're Jordan now. No, no. We'll have to. He's a he's a he does a lot of work on well, when they were doing the redistricting. Um, mm. So we'll have to make the connection so that uh, he'd be, sure. if you wanted to get into the weeds on that a little uh, bit more of that. But no, 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 no pun intended. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> right, is that a segue right here? Is that my next question? How many cannabis businesses do you have in your district? Do you know? Oh, that's a good question. I actually don't know. Cause you know, should I should know that. Yeah, Kay. I don't know. There's um, quite a few because I represent, like I said, most of the city of Worcester. So mm. um, probably quite a few. Well, there's there's definitely a lot in this area. Yeah. Just because the bylaws, the way they were written, they put them in business, you know, commercial corridors. Sure. So I can imagine some of the other dispensaries, like Harrison Street, um, mm-hmm. Grafton Street. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Bud's Goods is a part of that. Over on West Boylston. They're my, yep, they're, they're in my district, yeah. So you probably got a, a bunch of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe not Reson- Resonate might be too far. That might be the other. But they're yes. Near Walmart. Yeah, yeah, that's not... Uh, yeah, but um, and it's interesting too because as we're talking about, in addition to um, so my I, every senator chairs uh, one of the joint committees, and um, I chair children, family, and persons with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also vice chair committees, and I'm the vice chair of the cannabis policy sure. committee. Sure. Um, and then um, I sit on the uh, transportation, public health, mental health, education, and agricultural committees. Uh, so there's really great intersection, right? Oh, when we're talking sure. about the business development, talking about agriculture, certainly the work that we'll be doing on the cannabis committee. So um, it's you know it's definitely an industry that I'm uh, really eager to to learn more about and, and understand better, as it's going to really have an impact on the work I'm doing in the Senate. Oh, so you, you, I'm, oh no, you're good. I was going to ask because um, you told us a little bit that like you're in the beginning phases of you know. Uh, learning more about the cannabis industry. What do you feel is like outstanding right now? Like, what's a, you know, the most maybe the m- most feedback that you've gotten that's like, you know, standing out in your in your yeah. opinion, in your experience? Well, I'm really you know excited to work with Senator Adam Gomez, who's the chair of the committee on the set on the Senate side. He's a senator out of Springfield, uh, and Representative Dan Dunny, who right here from Worcester, who's chairing the committee on the House side. Um, but I know you know. I don't know as much about the the licensing structure and some of the challenges with the Cannabis Control Commission and opportunities there, and that's really kind of the learning process that I'm going through now. Um, But I think kind of bigger picture, you know, I've heard from the start of really how some of the social equity licenses were, again, when this law was written, there was real conversation around Mm. recognizing how we've over-incarcerated in communities of color for so long for marijuana use, and that if we were all of a sudden going to legalize it, um, that equity meant we're going to prioritize those licenses. And as I understand and, and have heard kind of anecdotally that uh, not only is that not the case necessarily, but that also a lot where a lot of the challenges in getting the licenses out the door uh, really were within those uh, equity licenses. Um, and that's something that we need to be talking about. Again, 
nothing when it comes to equity happens without really intentional tough work. Um, and so, and I, and I completely recognize that. Um, and I think more broadly speaking, we have to have the conversation, right? We know that disproportionately black and brown members of our community are incarcerated while now more disproportionately white people are, are profiting off of marijuana. And so, um, I think we need to also have that conversation when we talk about the criminal justice system, incarceration rates and things like that. So it's both, a conversation on the industry and and what's happening in in terms of the the technicalities and the licensing and things like that and and you know I'm really eager to to learn more in, in that but you know it's also in the judiciary that you know field that we really need to be talking about these issues yeah, for sure um, well so my question is kind of similar to what Ulysses was talking about but I feel like this is more of a conversation than just an interview, yeah. um, and we have someone who is an expert at, in the cannabis industry. Expert, don't call me an expert. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, listen, you do. I'm a you lifelong right. learner. Hundred <laughs> percent, but you're doing it more than most people. That's and, right. and, I, and I'll say this: you've been, um, you know, working on opening this business um, with the legalization in, you know, Massachusetts as well for many years. Mm. I mean, how many years would you say? Since Assumption, probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I got kicked out in 07. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, for so, weed, by the way. Oh, <laughs> so that's about 10 years. And um, obviously, you're learning more about the industry now. Um, is there any questions that you would ever want to ask a small oh. cannabis business owner oh. Yeah. That about the industry that you may not have ever known? Yeah. Well, and, I, and I, I'm curious to hear from you what's working well for you and what's really not working well for you. I think those are the, the broad, I mean, we can get into some of the technical stuff too, but the really broadly, because I think some things have gone right and then I, I know there's some chal- real challenges. Oh, for sure. Oh, that's a great, it's a great question. I think what, what worked for us is probably um, the, the back office, like what we just yeah. did, the fact that we can make custom art and, you know, put it on a label and be different than a lot of other spots around here. And then the fact that we produce a lot of a lot of cannabis um, products, but it's also the neighborhood too. Mm-hmm. Like I know you, you're familiar with this neighborhood, and it's just you know traditionally like a weed smoking neighborhood. So <laughs> it's nice to be around the community that loves to smoke weed, because um, they they love the stuff that we do here too. I think uh, some of the challenges or some of the difficult parts is, is probably um, yeah the more technical side. I would say, you know, we talked a little bit about the social equity uh, and the equity programming for cannabis delivery companies. Mm. That's a big challenge. Um, it's a challenge for us, but it's more of a challenge for the industry as a whole. Because, again, those licenses are supposed to be exclusive for yeah. know, equity businesses. But, you know, it seems like they're very hard to operate from a financial and economical perspective. So, yeah. 